welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, Mary. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I am doing tremendously well. Thank you so much. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming back. You are the second person who has returned to the show. So thank you so much for that. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So, um, okay. So for the listeners who are interested in hearing more about Mary's background, which we're not going to get into in depth, um, Mary and I chatted last on episode 88th. 88, 88, which was released on May 18th, so they can refer back to that one. But um, just briefly, because I want to see if this has changed any, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Hmm. Well, I don't remember what I told you last time. I, whenever someone asks me that, I usually just make something up on the fly. So Perfect. what I'm going to say is I feel like I'm really stepping into a space where my role is helping people find the courage to create some pretty powerful outcomes in their life, either through understanding how to deeper connect with people or, or, or desires or through their communication. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, bef- so I do want to actually ask you a lot about communication, but before we do that, when we last spoke – you were headed to this amazing trip in Peru where you're gonna gonna take a bunch of ayahuasca and and see what happens. And so, if you're okay with chatting about that, how did that experience go? And and how has how have things evolved since then? So I'm totally cool with chatting about ayahuasca, but I'll warn you that it's so much that we'll, we'll, we can we could easily spend the entire show talking about that. <laughs> okay, but I'm not kidding because it yeah. was literally. It was, it was literally probably the single most transformative thing that I've ever done in my life. And I'm not saying that like because I want people to go out and run out and do this mm-hmm. because I it's it's certainly not for everybody. But for me, and of course, like people can go listen on episode 88. But I've got a lot of trauma in my background, and certainly, you know, what I've learned is that trauma is stored in our bodies. Like our bodies are like a library and it's storing these things that have happened to us. And if we don't process the traumas as they're happening, they can get stuck. Mm -hmm. And that stuckness, that's my scientific word, that stuckness sort of uh, frames how we perceive our world. Mm -hmm. And so if we're seeing the world through a lens of trauma, that's going to create a set of certain behavior patterns that is, you know, over time creates your personality and your outlook and and even like your day to day, the way that you take action in the world. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things that I learned, because, you know, someone like me, I've already created a lot of success. Um, I, I, I'm not living in a world filled with problem. Right. I, right. I've got 
things pretty much under control. Mm -hmm. But what I realized that what was the driving force behind a lot of the successes that I've had in my life Mm -hmm. actually comes from a foundation of fear. Hmm. How so? That was, well, it was super eye opening. Um, how can I explain this? It's like you just gain an awareness. So, you know, through one of the ceremonies that I was having with the ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. there was just a gained awareness that this was true. So it's been more than six months now. You know, it's not like I was shown a vision of fear, but that there's somehow some connection made in your subconscious that I was very aware that my drive in life is fear based. And I think I've heard other people say that, like, fear is not the enemy. Mm -hmm. Fear can be very motivating. But I think that mine was maybe to an unhealthy level. And so since that time, I've been doing a lot of work, uh, meditation especially, like, and I can feel at times that fear actually releasing from my body. And that's kind of a wild concept to wrap your, your mind around. But for me, it's been, it's been very true. And my outlook and my level of awareness on things is increased. Uh, it's, it's almost like my consciousness level is expanding as that fear is decreasing. Oh, that's very interesting. It's so I, I've heard that before from other people. And, and I, I think that's true that um, there is a healthy level of fear because if everybody wasn't afraid, we'd all be well psychopaths and like just you know doing things that are physically impossible and and destroying our lives. So fear can help you push forward. So I'm so I'm I'm curious on that. So so I've done some trauma healing type of things before. I don't remember if we talked about this off or on podcast, but I didn't do it with. Uh, ayahuasca, which your experience sounds a lot more interesting, especially in Peru. Um, I, I did it with like a group of people around me, and it was um, like finding ways to dig into your self-conscious in um, like a group way, but also like thinking past or thinking to your your past traumas that happened in your childhood or other times, and and finding your real motivations for things. And for me, part of some of my entrepreneurial success was it was it was kind of a fear, but it was more of like um, it was the scarcity thing of I need to show people that I'm that I can do it and that I'm good and like I had to prove it versus you know um, you know I guess already living that you're you know a good person doing it's, well. It's kind or, of like. Yeah. Showing the world, I mean, and whoever that represented in your life, but that, that needing to be enough. Yes, exactly. Like, You've always the yeah. proof that you're enough because you're never enough for yourself. Right. And, and it is kind of interesting because you are, you are proving it to yourself. I mean, I definitely went something similar when my book came out and, you know, a few weeks later, it's, it's like number one on Amazon. And I remember having lunch and not even comprehending the fact that my staff was wanting to celebrate that my book was number one and I'm just kind of moving on to the next thing that I want to conquer. And it's like, when are or is it ever going to be enough? When are you ever going to be enough? And then like what I learned through 
this healing experience is that for me, this went so far back into my background. It mm-hmm. literally went to the place from when I was born hmm. because when I was born, um, I was not born to a single mother, but my father was in the Navy. And so he was out on a submarine nuclear engineer and my mother was very unstable. And so I had this um, feeling of never feeling safe hmm. as a, as a small from the time of being a newborn, just never feeling safe. Yeah. And so that, that, that lack of safety, that lack of stability created a, uh, like, I'm just going to say imprint because I don't necessarily have all the language down to use for this, mm-hmm. but created a specific imprint of fear. And so a lot of my decision making was driven by fear and now I would say that it's not an automatic thing, mm-hmm. but over the last six months of integrating that experience, um, it feels very different. And so that's just one thing. I actually wrote out like 14 major bullet points of my takeaways from ayahuasca. Oh, wow. Did you – I'm have you put them in a book or podcast or article? I'm guessing you've probably done all three. No. No. <laughs> none of the above. You've done none of the above? You know, it I actually so I I posted it on Facebook somewhere and I've got it in my journal and I'm going to unpack it more for okay. um you know, especially because and I don't know when this episode's gonna air, but I'm gonna be going and doing ayahuasca again, actually at Rhythmia, which is in Costa Rica, and it's all this women's week. So I'm super jazzed about it. So actually right now, this next month, as I'm Mm -hmm. preparing to do that would be perfect for me to unpack those 14 things. But here, I'll give you another one. Okay. Okay. But this one's really trippy. Okay. So you got to, you got to promise you won't judge. I promise not to judge. Judge free zone. Exactly. (laughs) Judgment free zone. (laughs) Very good. So, um, a few weeks ago, maybe about six weeks ago now, I was driving my son to work and um, he goes to the community college here, and he was just really – my son is 18, and he's on the spectrum. Now, he, he's he got, like, high-functioning autism, so some people might refer to that as Asperger's, and he can be at times very abrasive. He's also six foot five, and when we were driving to school, he was using that time to berate me. So he's literally going, like, Mom, you're so effing stupid, and, you know, it was really harsh. Yeah. And he wouldn't stop. And we were enclosed in my car, which is not exactly a giant car, but still, it doesn't feel good to be uh, verbally assaulted in this way by your own son while you're trying to do something nice for him and drive him to school. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this real sadness of my situation welling up inside me. And I finally get to the point where I pulled the car over and I was in tears and I got out of the car. And I kind of let my uh, head drop into my hands. And in that moment when my head dropped into my hands, I realized that every word he was saying to me was a reflection and a projection of my own inner self-talk. Now, Hmm. this was a huge moment for me. Mm -hmm. Every word that that was coming out of his mouth was literally a projection of my own subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so that was about six weeks ago and he hasn't done it again since that day. Wow. Yeah. So there was something about 
just having, you know, people talk about like the matrix or, or whatever, or the, all these esoteric concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one of those, one of those concepts is that everything is a projection. And mm-hmm. I'm certainly no expert to talk about like we're living in a hologram because I don't know any of that stuff. Right. But what I tell you is in that moment, it was very evident to me that he was reflecting back my own feelings of myself. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, uh, I think Tony Robbins, I think it's him who says that it's, it's, he looks at life as it's happening for him, not to him. So it's, it's, it was very self-aware in this moment of you to realize and to make that connection because not everybody would make that connection. So I think that's, that's a huge testament of, of the self-work that you've been doing and, and your own growth, realizing that um, a lot of the words he was saying was actually what you were projecting you know, from your internal monologue uh, out. So that's, I think that's fantastic. How have things changed yeah. since then? Well, and like, I think that the real miracle is that, that it's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the moment I became aware of it and I realized that, um, I realized that I have more work to do. This inner work, this inner subconscious that, that's, that has created neural pathways to, to create those beliefs about myself in the first place. Mm-hmm. That was what needed to be healed. You know, that, that is what needed to unscrew itself, so mm-hmm. to speak. But, but like, I knew I had work to do. And then I kind of like pay attention in my environment and like look at what books come to me. And sure enough, you know, the perfect books come to me that might be about self love or might be about taking space for myself, mm-hmm. allowing myself to heal drawing the right people into my life that I can actually even have these conversations with because, you know, it's not like you can just go to your average Super Bowl party and say, oh, yeah, everything my son says to me is a, a projection from my own subconscious mind. <laughs> right. I mean, It'd be a very interesting Super Bowl party. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Although with last the super, last Super Bowl, it was so boring. It, it actually may have livened up the, the mood a little bit. <laughs> Well, I remember I was, so I was at the Super Bowl party a few days ago and, and I don't know, my friends are drinking and they're talking about whatever. And I just said, you know, I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. I just like not into like this level of superficial, whatever it is. And they're looking at me like I'm a circus freak. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm like, I'm just working on expanding my mind. And in that moment, they really looked at me like I had two heads. It was so funny. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so I, you you mentioned there were books that that pop up at this appropriate time. Are there any books that you can think of right now that have, I guess, made their way in in front of you in the last couple of months that really, um, you know, spoke volumes to you? Oh my gosh, I devour books. Yeah. So. It's been quite a few. Um, well, I mean, I revisit my own my own book and my own content a lot, which is okay. conscious communications and the list the lessons in that because they're all about the subconscious mind. Yeah. Um, I, I get a lot of hints in my life to uh, read my own book, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of funny because you know I wrote it and and wasn't like I studied it every day. I just wrote it, but yeah. I've been reading. Okay. So this is kind of strange, but I've been reading these books by an author named Lorna Byrne and Lorna Byrne is fascinating to me. She's from Ireland. And the reason she's fascinating to me is because she has written several 
best-selling books, mm-hmm. and she does not know how to read or write. Really? Yes. So just let that sink in for a second. She she um she uh, I don't even know how to say this. Okay, so she talks to or sees angels mm-hmm. or beings that beings that she describes as angelic beings. Mm-hmm. And she has seen them her whole life. And because of this, she was uh labeled to be mentally retarded and in those days and in Ireland they did not educate those children. So she's um probably in her late fifties. Okay. So in those days when she was a child and also she grew up under the most poorest of circumstances. Sure. And so it was not it was just understood. I mean it wasn't like people were trying to be cruel. I'm just saying that's how it was back then. Like you yeah. would not send this child to school, nor did if they thought that you were, you know, mentally retarded, they wouldn't have the, uh, they wouldn't have the services to be able to educate you anyway. So she didn't learn how to read or write. But if you listen to her speak, I mean, she will speak in ways that will blow your mind. Like, for example, she was talking about um, in an interview I was watching her on, she was talking about how we need to stop taking oil out of the earth because our oil to the earth is like as important as, as blood is to our body. Hmm. It's like, or like oil, you know, like we have to have a certain amount of omegas like oil, but that we're, we're taking too much oil out of the earth. And, and you would have, but the way she could speak about it Mm -hmm. for someone who doesn't have an education was, it was just really mind blowing. So she talks about in these books, she talks about the, the angels and how the angels interact with us and how they, um, how we have a guardian and she sort of describes the different kind of angels. And so this was really interesting to me for whatever reason, but I knew that it was the right books because I was recently in San Diego and I'm listening to these books and I'm just crying. Hmm. I, I'm just shedding all of these tears. So there's something that she was saying that was a deep, that hit me at a very deep resonant level. Mm-hmm. And one of those things was talking about purpose because purpose is something I talk about a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that it makes her very sad if she sees someone talking about purpose, but yet they've got like a child on their lap. And she was talking about how we we need to understand that children is our purpose more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I just cried for like 20 minutes because, I mean, how often do you hear someone say that in today's world? Yeah, not often at all or ever. And, and I have two children and, mm-hmm. and in the way that she's absolutely right, mm-hmm. you know, it's like our purpose is staring and glaring at us in the face every single day, but maybe we don't recognize that as our purpose because we've been trained and programmed our whole lives to believe something else is, and, and I'm not saying that the something else still isn't important or still isn't purpose, mm-hmm. but but what I was hearing, and this was the message for me that I was getting that day, is that my children are also the purpose. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that is, is a profound and deep um, item to realize, especially at that time. That's, so how has, so how, how else have her books been speaking to you is it is it just kind of the interviews or is it really like kind of all of her books and and uh, the subject matter 
You know, that's a, such a great question because it's certainly not um, it's not a book I would historically have have gone for. But I, I don't know. I just grabbed them and I devoured uh, two of her books in <laughs> one weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, while I was at in San Diego at a business event, I was in my room and all of my free time just reading reading these books. Sometimes you grab a hold of a piece of content and it's just powerful to you. It may not be powerful to the next person, mm-hmm. but for for me it was very powerful and it was the message of that there is a driving force behind our life before our, behind our like our physical body and it it was very much in alignment with my own personal spiritual beliefs. Um but my own personal spiritual beliefs haven't always included things like angels because I probably would lump angels in the like Christian churchianity concepts sure. and, and sort of shy away from that. Sure, sure. Uh, so I guess just opening my mind to these to 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 these beings that are in another dimension that I mean I don't really know anything about, but the way she speaks about them. Um, I was like, you know what? I, I like this. This feels good, and and I want to learn more about this. And then at the end of one of the books, she has this like seven day path to self love, mm-hmm. and so that was maybe part of it because like I could work on doing these things that were associated with the self love. So her theory is that when we're born, we're one hundred percent pure love. And that as we go through life, we are closing that love off. We're locking parts. We, it never goes away fully because it's always with our spirit or, or whatever you want to call that, your higher self, your soul, whatever you believe. Mm-hmm. But she says that we lock that love away. So when we get hurt, when we get you know, reprimanded as a child, when we go through traumas, we're locking that love away. And and you can probably resonate with that yourself because you've gone through some trauma and some healing processes. You know, when that heart, that heart space is like, it's like behind the iron cage, right? Or it's frozen in ice, you know? And, And so she describes this, but she describes it as locking your love away. And that the way to bring out the love is that we do this uh, seven day path of, of self love. And so that was really cool too, because I'm just kind of looking at those practices and, and, and by the way, I'm like all about that. I think that that's one of the most important things is that we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd like to, to talk a little bit more, actually a little bit about um, the entrepreneurial mindset, because I feel like it goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. This like self-care, oftentimes like thinking about trauma healing and, you know, the what causes it, what, what is driving you is often when people start companies or they start their own uh, practices, it's not evident in the beginning. Oftentimes, sometimes it's out of like necessity or need or just, you know, the, a passion for a project. But as time goes on, like your those you know those traumas will start to creep in and affect how you communicate how you run your business how you you know um the the type of people you attract so in an entrepreneurial type of of mindset and now you've been doing your own work on this how have you kind of noticed those connections and how do you talk about um the entrepreneurial mindset in general 
Well, so for me, everything in life is about creating connections. And the way that I see the world and frame up the world is to understand that like every, every choice that I'm making, every, everything I say, everything I do, every word that comes out of my mouth, every action I take and every choice I make is either creating a deeper connection to things that I want or it's driving a disconnection. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of move through my life that way is understanding that everything is a set of choices. But I think that when it comes to like, there's, there's different ways to apply these concepts and um, communication is really the biggest one for me because that seems to be what I always gravitate towards talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, I know just the other day when I'm, I'm sort of trying to, level myself up and and get to my next phase of entrepreneurship in in my life and and do more things, which means a lot of times doing less day-to-day in your actual business itself. And one of the things that I just recently realized, like this aha, is understanding that my job as a CEO is more about creating expectations around my vision. And one of my staff members, she asked me this question. She's like, I'm just trying to figure out how I can best support you from be- to, from becoming a, going from a pioneer to a visionary. Mm-hmm. And that, that question just like, it was like fireworks in my mind because it's just started to give me all kinds of ideas. And whenever I see something around me that's pulling me down, like pulling me back into the work instead of allowing me to stay in the vision, I'm like speaking up. Mm-hmm. So we call, in our office, we call this going from level four to a level five. So I'll just use that terminology because I can swing with it really quick. So sure. I noticed, like, for example, you know, we, we, I've just been going through this polar vortex in the Midwest and <laughs> a lot of our phone lines were down. Mm-hmm. And I had said to one of my staff members, I said, I want you to, uh, the technician left his cell phone. I want you to call the technician. And the next day comes and I, said, hey, did you call that technician? She said, no. I said, why not? She said something that I just want to laugh about, but she's like, well, I called the phone line and it was working. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, I, I get that. I picked up the phone okay. at work now, so no, no okay, yeah. <laughs> this problem is solved. Right. And, and, I, and I just inside, and I think any entrepreneur will understand this, I literally could feel my blood boiling. <laughs> I don't know where the angels were in that moment. <laughs> my blood was boiling, right? Mm-hmm. And why was my blood boiling? Because I told her to call the technician. And so then next thing you know, I'm on this rant. I said, let me break it down for you, honey. This is how it works. Our phone company is a third-party vendor, which means that they do not have their own technicians. And whenever something happens, they have to contract or outsource the technicians to go through the AT&T. So AT&T, they don't care about this third party's company customers. They care about their own customers first. Mm -hmm. So every time you call that 1-800 number and you're reporting the problem, you're talking to the little girl in the headset and she's typing it in and documenting anything, but nothing is progressing because this is ridiculous that we are three days with down phone lines. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is 2019, people. This three days, okay? This is ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. See, now you see the real Mary coming out. I do. I this like where is this is real, going. <laughs> this is the real Mary. Yeah. All right. So I make it very clear. So I said, what are you going to do? She's like, I'm going to call the technician. I said, thank you. So then she transfers me to my office manager. And I'm like, let me just tell you what just happened. This is why 
this is stuff that stops me from going from a four to a five. This is what stops me from going from a pioneer to a visionary. Mm -hmm. Every time I have to go back and repeat myself to something that I just said, when I told her to call the technician, it doesn't matter if it's call the technician or call the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. It's that I need to be able to look at one of my team members. I need to have a team around me. And if I look at Yuri and you're on my team and I say on a scale of one to 10, what is my confidence level for Yuri to execute on my directive? Mm -hmm. And if I said a four, which is what I would have said about this person, the problem is I can't be a visionary because I have to go back because there's a little piece of my subconscious brain that still needs to ask the question, did you call the technician? Mm-hmm. Do you follow this? There is yeah. a there is a wasted amount of brain energy being used for tedious follow-up. Right. Okay? And that tedious follow-up sort of sucked away three of the great ideas that I had. Because I'm using brain power on something now that I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important if you want to be like what we say in my office, if you want to be that level five visionary, you have to have a team of level 10 executors. Hmm. Interesting. How are you then working with your staff to bring them up to level 10? Well, I think that the first step in that process is, and this is a really great segue into the next part of this, because it's the, 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 in order to do that, mm-hmm. I have to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. So let me explain what I mean by this. Okay. And, and I, don't, I don't know if men do this, and I don't like to separate things by men and women, but let's just, can we just accept for once that there's a difference between us? Yes, we can, okay. we can, that exists. We'll go with it. It, okay, there, thank there's you. Definitely, a, definitely a communication difference between men and women, but for so, our conversation, we'll go. Right. So one of the things is like if I'm going to expect that from my team, then mm-hmm. I have to be willing as a leader to step up and be very uh, deliberate and impactful with the language that I choose to use. So mm-hmm. I'm going to use myself as an example, but I had a habit for years of using passive language. Now, what passive language would be is like, maybe you should call the AT&T technician. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a very different statement than I want you to pick up the phone and call the AT&T technician. Okay, totally different, right? Because one creates gray area. One creates the opportunity for her to make a judgment call, which wasn't really what I wanted for her to pick up the phone and see if the phone is working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have like 30 phone lines, right? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that's why it's so funny to me. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm kind of like unpacking this and I'm realizing, all right, so I have to communicate my my message in a very succinct, impactful, and directive way. I need to say, here is what I expect. My job as a CEO is all about setting expectations. So I need to set the expectation. I need to be there. I need there to be no, zero gray area. So I don't want to use language that's passive, and I also don't want to use language that's suggestive. So suggestive might look like this. I think probably. When people say probably or sort of or kind of, that's Mm -hmm. suggestive, all right? Maybe, I don't know, you know, that's that's really passive. Or like, is there any way? That's a passive. Like, is there any way you could call the technician? (laughs) That's passive, right? Yes. 
suggestive is I think you should do X, Y, Z. Directive is I expect you to call the technician today, please. Let me know how that goes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very different. I am setting people up to be a level five out of 10 or a level four. I am training them to be that way because of how I'm communicating with them in the day to day. So the way that me as the leader, as a CEO, as the visionary can create a team of tens around me is to train them to be tens. Mm-hmm. Train them to be tens by paying attention to and being deliberate about my own language to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question. So, so you are you are a powerful woman and, and an effective leader. Do you worry about the words you use and coming across? It's, I know there's like this. There's definitely a, a like an unfair comparison of there's a, there's a strong man. He can say you know men can get away with a lot more uh, than women can because if women says says some you know more direct words sometimes are coming across as a bitch. Whereas the same words for a guy would be like, ooh, what a powerful leader. Like, I am very aware of that. And I witness that every single day at my at the tech company I work for. But is that something that you worry about in your own company and how you're communicating with your employees? Or are you trying to, you know, just be the most effective you can regardless of how it's coming across in that moment? Okay, that's a great question. And I think that, I think that you've you've really said something super important as far as how do we view this um you know masculine energy versus this feminine energy and how it's used because when a when a feminine person or you know a, a female comes across in this like masculine energy way it can be a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it can especially to men it can be because it it kind of goes against our our natural instincts which is why it feels all wonky. It is wonky, and that's okay because I think that just like being aware that, all right, it feels off is the first step, and mm-hmm. to say, how do we get around that? So that's where I think the passive language develops in women because they want to tone down their energy, um, or at least this was true for me. So I would say okay. in my 20s, in my 20s, I wasn't worried about this at all. So in my 20s, I was like all about it. I mean, unstoppable. I was Shark Tank to the T. Right. Um, and then, you know, I have children. It changes my hormonal makeup. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with as I'm eight, in my 30s, I'm going through a divorce. That was a really hard time in my life. So I think that I became a lot more compassionate and a lot more empathetic. And then I became a lot more aware of how my behavior impacted other people. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to impact other people in a negative way. And I think that I started to develop some uh, passive and suggestive uh, uh uh, uh, speech patterns or how I communicated became more passive, like passive aggressive. I'll even say, if you say, mm-hmm. you know, like when people say something like definitely, maybe, yeah. how did that become a phrase? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's so confusing. Yeah. So, so when I was really working this out and becoming aware of how my energy was affecting other people, I, yeah. I became more passive, but then that created a whole nother set of problems. So now that, and I'm, I'm in my forties now, one of the things that I definitely have down is like owning my power. Mm-hmm. Like I am no longer afraid to say that I am an off the charts, intelligent, smart, powerful woman with killer, killer business instincts. Mm-hmm. And 
I will be formulating I will be formulating solutions to things while I'm still being told the story. And I just recently did that Gallup uh, Strengths Finder, mm-hmm. and one of my top five was strategic. And so I totally see that in myself because I'm just a problem solver. I'm just a natural problem solver. But the more confidence that I gain in my problem-solving abilities, the more confidence I can have in my own decisions, the more I sound powerful and less bitchy. Hmm. That's what I think. Either okay. that or I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Either way, it's it's working, and so that's that's a good uh, good way to go. So I'm I'm curious as a sidebar because you mentioned strength finders. Do you make your employees, or sorry, do you have your employees uh, take strength finders or another one of the self assessment um, areas to find out what well, they're best at? When they're not too busy trying to get a hold of the AT&T technician <laughs> right. or testing the phone lines, um, you know, some I do, some I don't. So there's there's different there's different, you know, levels of um, employees. And a lot of times I'll I'll do my best to size people up in the beginning. And the first thing I do is I might decide, is this person a thinker or a doer? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and they're both equally vital to a business because we need our thinkers and we need our doers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of start and I, you know, I'll have them take personality tests if they want to. And they're, they're very, very useful. We used to actually do it as part of the hiring process and we've moved, we've moved towards something a little different. Now we have a whole hiring guide. It's very scientific, but um, what I find is when you can identify people's strengths and then provide them with work to do in that their, their core area of strengths, obviously you're going to get the greater outcomes. Mm-hmm. But uh, even though those are the strengths, it still doesn't mean that the super pronounced in that per- person's life right away. Right. You know, like they, they need still time to develop and, and train and grow into those strengths. And so, yeah, I love developing people's strengths. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. So I've, I, I'm, I'm, wishy-washy, I guess the best way, are not sold on all of the 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 self-assessments. So I appreciate them because I feel like they do highlight, again, like you mentioned, certain tendencies that we each have. I've just met so many people, and maybe it's more in the corporate world, who just identify to a T whatever their score is. They're like, nope, I'm an you know ENTJ. This is how I think. This is how I react. And they self-identify so much so that they are like use it as a, a crutch where they're like, well, this is how I think because that's what my self-assessment says. And so I was just kind of curious on. Interesting. On yeah. Works. Yeah. I, I definitely have talked to some, uh, I, I've talked to some corporate trainers that rely very, very heavily on that. And they even use it to like deescalate interpersonal situations within, within the corporate environment, like people getting in arguments and stuff and, Mm-hmm. I was really amazed by this one person who's able to look at both of the people's personality profiles mm-hmm. and like, and then she can explain to them, like, break it down. This is why you guys got in this argument. And here's how you could look at this differently. And, and, and she's really, she's really an expert. I am not any kind of level of expert <laughs> on that stuff, but I definitely think that knowing it is, is at least good. It's, yeah. It can be a helpful tool, but agree with you that it certainly not should be should not be relied upon like it's your blood type. Yes, yes, exactly. 
So in your again in in what and the other areas you do of communication, how else are you working to I guess enhance the the confidence in your employees as well as you know help them be as focused in your business as you are? Okay, so I I feel like that because of what we do as a company, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is debt collections. And then we also do a lot of training and development on communications. And the way that I developed the communication strategy that we worked with is through the laboratory of all of the probably million phone calls that we've done in debt collections, Mm -hmm. which is all about, you know, trying to find that way to create a connection with somebody. You know, my, my whole brand is built on that I want people to feel good about paying their debt instead of swimming in that psychological burden of shame and unworthiness over having the debt. Right. And so what happens is anyone who works for my company or for me, uh, they, they learn this communication strategy inside, outside, backwards and forwards to the point where it doesn't just change how they work. It changes their entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I say that because it's literally true. I mean, I, I've just got miracle story after miracle story of the transformative power that understanding this to be able to communicate in this way, what it does for you. And so what I've noticed is it's just through the training. It's not necessarily through anything I'm doing, but through our company culture of here's how we do things. And we all, we all learn these skills and become this way that everything just, um, the people who want to grow, grow. Then we have people who are doers and, and they just, you know, they want to do whatever their job is and, and they're happy with that place. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Just everyone, it's just really very magical to watch it all happen. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. So I'm, I'm curious as, as you've grown in your company, how, how have your, I guess, who do you look for? as role models and and leaders and examples of of who you want to become as a you know a leader or you know business owner or any of that right now um there's two people that i absolutely love and these two people are polar opposites of each other so mm-hmm. Bre- Brene brown who um i mean because Brene brown is is bringing to light such important you know we were talking in the pre-call chat about there being a moral and psychological crisis mm-hmm. and Brene has this ability to bring these issues to the surface and like put it under a microscope figure out what's going on and then know how to create change mm-hmm. and when she talks about things like love and belonging you know, I could I could tell you that someone um, well, I was at this business event in San Diego and the woman that and I don't remember her name. Her first name's Ellen, but she created the company called Orange Theory and okay. Orange Theory is apparently all the rage. Have you heard of it? I have. Yeah, it's it's uh, I've never been, but I see it all over the place. Yeah, we don't have any here, but I guess they're everywhere outside of Champaign. <laughs> Right. We listen. We don't even have a Chick Fil A here. Oh, really? We, we got nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a small town. But anyway, so 
I'm listening to her give this talk, and I've never heard of Orange Theory before, but uh, I'm checking it out. It all sounds good. And and then, like, two weeks later, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm at this event, and this woman was talking about Orange Theory. And she goes, I just want to know what the secret sauce is. And I was like, what, with Orange Theory? And as soon as she said that, and again, this is my strategic mind going, as soon as she finished the sentence, I knew what the secret sauce was. So the secret sauce is that Orange Theory has become overnight sensation because it we have a basic human need for connection. Mm-hmm. And we are filling that need a lot of times right now through social media. Mm-hmm. That's why we want to get 50 likes on our picture or hearts or shares or engagement or whatever comments, you know, that's all feedback that makes us in our brain feel a sense of connection, love and belonging, Mm -hmm. which is what Brene Brown is talking about. So the secret sauce to orange theory is that you go through this. I'm going to call it circuit training. It's not exactly that, but it's it's a set of exercises that you do when you go through her system and you get, you earn these flat points and then the flat points I think you get when your target heart rate hits a 12 minute something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, then your your splat points appear on the screen and you get ranked and then people are sharing their splat points, but I'm t- I'm here to tell you that we'll do a lot for a point. <laughs> yes, In we fact, will. We will, right? We we know that. We'll hit we'll do a lot to get a like because mm-hmm. There's something, there's a deeper meaning to that. It's not about the superficial like on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. about the need for love, connection, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And and Ellen from Orange Theory has created that with her brand mm-hmm. because of how she has innovatively married exercise and social media. Yeah. It's a That's, winner. Yeah, that is that. Now I have to go check them out. Um <laughs> Just because so, I I thought they were like another like you know not Peloton Soul Cycle type of like group exercise thing but uh, but yeah like if you yeah, but it is are, it's a group it it's a group of, exercise program I mean from yeah. what of the description I hear it's a it's a combination of like CrossFit and group fitness yeah. like you do a circuit it's not the exercise itself there is nothing special that I'm hearing I haven't experienced it but mm-hmm. there's nothing. There's nothing particularly outstanding about the exercise. What I feel the innovation is, is that you get one of these proprietary, some kind of fitness measuring thing. I mean, maybe it's just a branded Fitbit. I don't know, but you get, you get something that's measuring your vitals and that that information is being shared on these screens. And then I don't know if they even have like nationally, you got the most splat points out of anyone in the country or regionally. I mean, if the technology exists to do that, why wouldn't they do it? Yeah, I mean, it, it would but, make sense that they would. Right, because if I am an exercise fanatic, which I have, I was an exercise fanatic for 15 years of my life, I guarantee you I would w- be working for those flat points. <laughs> That's right. You'd have you'd be the national champion point. I would be the flat point pioneer champion. That's right. I'd That's be right. definitely up there. And I would, not, <laughs> I would not care about the free T-shirt. That I would get, but man, there's just something about that recognition, right? There's like, mm-hmm. there's the power. It's like, maybe it's that not enoughness again. I don't know, but for people who are into it, that's a very valuable commodity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm excited about Orange Theory. I, I think it's great. And then the other person, and this is all because the same thing, like 
authenticity is everything. Authenticity, integrity, speaking the truth Mm -hmm. in a raw and vulnerable way. Like, man, that is like so where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. So my other person who is about opposite of Brene Brown is Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. Go on, please. Well, okay. So I don't know. Same thing. I I mean, I don't know everything about Gary, but the little bits of um, the little bits of things that I see him doing on videos is he tells it like it is now. He definitely, definitely does. And the things that he says are true. So Mm -hmm. I know he interrupts people a lot. And I mean, I see I see some of the like I see him getting all juiced up. (laughs) <laughs> it's just really, you know, uh, actually, I'll tell you what, you want to see like the funniest thing ever. Watch this uh, interview between Russell Brand and Tony Robbins. That's oh, okay. Hilarious. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I just don't even have words. It's just really funny to see okay. it because they're they're opposite energies of each other. You know, Russell Brand is like. I, I think he might actually be from another planet, but I, I he love might, but that. I love I love watching him too because he says so like just sneaks in things that are so profound and you don't expect yeah. it coming from this you know, he hides it behind this like jokey sexual com you know, comedic persona and you're like he is really, really intelligent and says really amazing things. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. And so in kind of and he's authentic and vulnerable mm-hmm. and raw and so yeah. that's the same thing I see in Gary V. Yeah. Where when Gary V. is talking about business, and I'll I'll hear him like I heard him I guess it was on I, you know he videotapes everything he does so whatever yes exactly <laughs> I I wish I had I wish I had uh, D Rock A Rock or whatever yeah you just need to hire things. like seven people to constantly videotape you and post it everywhere. Yuri, I need to put these angels to work. Yes, yeah, so you do. Be, you, they're going to be could, in my life. That's right. You could strap a camera to an angel. I like where <laughs> this is going. I mean, they, they're they're around. They need something to do. So, yeah. yeah so Gary Vee, he's like talking to this girl on the phone, and she's a millennial, and she's just like, oh, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm like 25 or something r- ridiculous, whatever mm-hmm. she just said. And and Gary like calls her on it. He's like, yeah. why? Why do you want that? You don't even know what that means. And he's right. He's like, yeah. you don't even comprehend a million dollars. Do you understand the amount of work it takes to get there? Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, and he's so real about it takes work. It takes, you know, hours and hours and hours of working and cultivating and thinking and, and strategizing and following through. Whereas we have a lot of people out there that are like, oh, work less, be nomadic, you know, you can create this dream life. It's all bullshit. I'm sorry, but I mean, yeah, there there are people who can create that, but there's eight billion people on this planet. We can't all be nomads. Right. Exactly. We all can't manifest it and, and it shall come. But he so there's just a there's just a truth to what he says and mm-hmm. he gets to the point. And I think that his advice is solid. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean I he Again, his his overabundance-ness, if that's even a word, he's just everywhere on social media all the time, so I find that a little bit overwhelming. But, um, I mean, especially, I remember back when I lived in New York, 
before he was doing the entrepreneurship thing, he had this small little like video podcast when they first started coming out about wine. And I used to sit on the subway and watch his wine videos because he would, in a, in a sense, speak truth to power. He would break down the wines in a very logical, easy to digest kind of sense where it didn't feel like it was so, um, you know, ethereal or even like you know, difficult to understand. Like I felt like I started to get wines and to understand the, the different complexities in the flavor because he's, he broke it down in a very simple way. And, and, you know, he does that. He's like now the Simon Cowell, but of the entrepreneurship world where just like sometimes people just need to hear that what they're doing is terrible and they should just move on. So it's great. Um, but yeah, he definitely like also brings people out of these like pie in the sky belief systems that they've mm -hmm. created. Like, I feel like he gives especially young people very good advice. And I think that he's willing to say the things that need to be said. Mm -hmm. And and I'm very much that way. So, you know, I, I appreciate that about him. And I think that that's fascinating that you have been you know aware of him all those years. I was giving a speech the other day at the very sophisticated eighth grade career day. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And uh, so like, we were at the end of like they were asking their questions and, and doing whatever. And we were we were at the end. And I don't know what made me do it. But I just said, like, hey, guys, by show of hands, like, I want to know what social media you guys are using. Because mm -hmm. I was curious, they're eighth graders. Like, I don't get to talk to eighth graders. So I went through, like, Facebook, no hands. Instagram, couple of hands. Snapchat, all the hands. Mm -hmm. What up? Well, I feel like Gary V called that one, that Snapchat yeah. was going to be big. And I was looking at Snapchat going, I still don't get it. Yeah. But my high and school I, does. Yeah, I, I still don't get Snapchat. <laughs> and, and, then, and then here's the funny thing. Yeah. So then I said... Gary, I said something about Gary V. I said, who of you guys, how many of you guys know Gary V? Not mm -hmm. one kid. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was so ubiquitous and, and everywhere, but obviously these eighth graders had never even heard of him. Yeah. Well, I also part of that, and again, this is the part of, of Snapchat. So I have Snapchat, but part of it I don't quite figure out is, you can't really search for people. So it's not like Instagram where you're like hashtag, hashtag, hashtag or all that kind of stuff where you're searchable. You have to either like get invited or know someone like it's, it's a more close knit community that way. But it's also a part of, cause I was trying to do some of his techniques to build up my Snapchat thing. And, and you have to invite people from other sites to find you on Snapchat. So I just kind of, I got lazy and gave up on that one. Well, <laughs> I have, um, I have a social media platform that I would like to invent, mm -hmm. but I'll have to tell you about it offline because okay. I don't want to. I don't want to share my ideas out with the world quite yet. That's true. Okay. All right. Well, we'll continue that one on the side. All right. So, <laughs> while I have you still kind of fired up, I do want to ask you about because you wrote an article about this leveling up in 2019. So, for the listeners out there, what were your your ways to level up in 2019? 
Well, one of one of the easiest ones and what the article was based on is one of my favorite neuroscientists. His name is Moran Cerf. Mm-hmm. Now, he has done a ton of research that actually shows us that our brains sync up with whomever we are in proximity to. So this was actually really mind-blowing to me because you know those old cliches or those old sayings like that your grandma says about birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Tony Robbins who says – you are like the sum total of the five people that you're closest to. Yep. So Moran Surf is actually proving this to be true because what they've done is they take groups of people and if people are all in a room together, their brains wire together. And if you're in a room and you're listening to a public speaker, your brains actually sync up with that speaker. But the same, so the same th- kind of thing that can happen with reading books, watching movies, watching a talk, yeah. being in proximity to people. So I think that one way to level up your life in 2019 and really get serious about this is look at who is in your close network. Mm-hmm. And kind of, you know, let, let me bring this back to something I said earlier in the conversation mm-hmm. when I said I need my team to be level 10 executors. Yeah. Now, you don't need the people in your life to be level 10 executors, but you you need them to be something. And, and the answer to that question about what you need them to be is very important because if you need people who are optimistic or smart or um, you need people that are maybe are giving great advice, just understand that the level of where their brain power is at will either bring you up to their level or – drag you down to their level. I think this is why masterminds are so powerful. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Cause you're right. You, you get, you get in a room with people who are also you know, ambitious and think a little bit differently about your problem. And then suddenly you see yourself changing and adapting and thinking differently or even big events. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I recently joined for the first time in my entire life, I joined a mastermind group mm. and I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but very quickly into this process of meeting, this is all, a, this is a, it's a mastermind that's only women. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it's called the unicorn club. And that's <laughs> so like very pixie dusty sounding, which is so not me, which is why I love it so much because yeah. so serious all the time, you know? <laughs> Anyway, so now I'm a unicorn. That's great. Um, anyway, like I'm in this room of these very powerful women. I mean, New York Times bestselling authors, uh, people with television shows, people. I mean, Marianne Williamson walked in the door. Wow. I, I mean, I just can't even explain to you how powerful of a moment this was for me. And the moment was when I knew I am not the smartest person in this room. Mm-hmm. And that makes this the most exciting place that I could possibly ever be at. That's fantastic. Well, awesome. Um, I think we should probably end it there or we'll keep chatting for a very long time. So, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So, th- again, thank you, Mary, for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, this was absolutely fantastic and and uh, very profound. So thank you. If the listeners, again, would like to read more of your writing and see what you're up to, where is the best places they can go to do that? Well, my website is maryshores, S-H-O-R-E-S dot com. And you can find me. Please do connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook, whatever is your favorite. And if you like what we talked about today, 
please jump on Amazon. Check out the book Conscious Communications, your step-by-step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices in your life, and read the description and some reviews. I think you'll know right away whether the book is for you or not. Fantastic. And I will, again, make sure to put all of those links in the show notes so people can click right through. Thank you. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.